Welcome back to me and Mariah. I'm Taylor the HLIC. What? What does that mean? The head lamb in charge. <laughs> and that's my co-host Blake, non-lamb. But she's a, a doe, a fawn, some other infant animal closely related to a lamb. And by closely related, I mean not related at all. I think LIT, lamb in training, is more appropriate. Oh, I like that because I wasn't going to say goat because that's <laughs> like the opposite of lamb. That's like the Bianca of lambs. We aren't Biancas here. This ain't Storm. <laughs> well, this week we're covering Mariah's Ode to the Auntie. That's right. Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel. Mariah's 12th album, it came out on September 29th, 2009 and debuted on Billboard at number three, while her previous two, Equals MC Squared and The Emancipation of Mimi, had both debuted at number one. Singing and laughing. She got the idea for the title from the Minnie Ripperton album, Perfect Angel, which has the song Loving You on it, the song that Mariah owes her whistles to, if we're being honest. And I think she would say that too. She probably has somewhere at some point. That's a good song. I don't want to ramble, but... It really wasn't an autobiographical title. It's more for everyone, and it's more like um, we all kind of try so hard to compete with what the ideal of, you know, people's concept of perfect yes. is, and none of us are. You know, it's sort of it's one of those things where you're kind of like, it's for everyone. It's one of those titles that's for everyone, but it's also for me. So there was originally a song called Imperfect, but she decided not to include it for whatever reason. And I think that was a mistake. The song is a typical like Mariah Carey perseverance anthem and Memoirs is missing one of those. You know what else is missing that may have given this album a little more life, in my opinion? She worked on several songs with Timbaland as a follow-up to E equals MC squared. And yet here we are covering the follow-up to E equals MC squared. No Timbaland in sight. Yeah, what happened to that? Well, there's no sight of him or Jermaine Dupri who she had also done a few songs with in preparation for making this, but chose not to include those either. Hmm. I know, I wonder what those would have sounded like with Timbaland. I don't really care to hear the Jermaine Dupri ones, but I've heard like a shitty rough version of a song called Skydiving, but it's really nothing special. It's nothing like Madonna's Hard Candy, which was produced by Timbaland mostly, actually, the year before. They have like a falling out or something? I don't think so. I just hmm. don't know what happened. I know, because then they worked together on Caution, remember? Eighth grade. Oh, right. But here we have Tricky Stewart and The Dream. And, and nothing against either one of them. I don't mean that in a particular way. I'm just saying that's what we're working with here. Tricky Stewart did five-ish, I think, songs on Britney's In The Zone, which that's my favorite Britney. Me Against the Music, that song with Madonna. That was a good one, too. Right? And he also did Case of the X with Maya. I forgot about Maya. The Dream is a singer, too, actually. He did the song My Love, and Mariah's actually featured on it. Oh, and just a quick side note on an interesting entanglement. In the time that they were making this album through when it was finally released, The Dream had dated, married, and divorced Christina Milian. Really? Yeah. And who was Christina Milian engaged to before that, you ask? Who? Nick Cannon. <gasps> <laughs> and allegedly the diamond in Mariah's ring that she's singing about on this album in the song Impossible is the same diamond that was in the ring Nick proposed to Million with. So put that in your baby bottle pop. <laughs> I don't know any of them, anyway. But back to the music though. Mariah worked with both The Dream and Tricky Stewart on Touch My Body. That's her 18th number one single the year before Memoirs. So that explains why she wanted to work with them again for this album. That's like her sticking to what she knows and what she likes. And besides, it probably didn't hurt that the two of them also made hits for Beyonce and Rihanna around this time, Single Ladies and Umbrella. You know, those songs. Yeah, so like they were star makers of the yeah, time. Yeah, right. Like their hits were what was popping on the mm -hmm. radio. 
And they said that the approach to making Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel was to try to make a greatest hits album without any greatest hits, just making new material that felt familiar and classic. I don't see that. I can kind of see that now that I've listened to it. Some of them sound like other songs, so... She said that she was making music for the fans that loved her Butterfly album or the albums that are even older than Butterfly. And again, I don't see that, but that's just my opinion. And I know that you'll just have to trust me on that one because you haven't heard all of them. Well, I have heard some of her older stuff, and I actually thought that this album sounded like more youthful okay. than a lot of her older stuff. Like, it felt like she was making music for older people in, in her first few albums. She, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like the concepts that they went into this with didn't really match the execution. Agreed, 100%. In the Elle magazine booklet that came inside the CD, she literally said, Right now, all I'm listening to is my own stuff. As a writer and producer, I need to listen and see what needs to be fixed or changed. I don't think she's ever stopped listening to her, only her own stuff since. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems kind of in character for her. Yeah. <laughs> the only reference to the older stuff and Butterfly on this album is the packaging. This is what we get when Nick Cannon tells Mariah that Love Takes Time was his favorite song. These photos. Now I'm not saying I don't like them, it's just weird timing for me. It's very random and has absolutely nothing to do with the cover. The multiple personalities of Mimi, I think that's what I called it in our episode, Mariah oh, Scary. Yes. Uh, I do remember this as one of the first times that she consistently brought back the tighter curls in her hair for promotions and interviews like on Oprah. I remember being really excited about that. I love that look too. I know. It was marketed as her most personal album. She said each song would be an entry in a private diary. She said some songs were meant to reflect specific moments of her life, while others were inspired by stories from friends or characters in movies that she felt close to. Who are you trying to kid, girl? Maybe that inspiration really was there for her because it did feel like the topics were kind of scattered on this album. Yeah. So I can see it in that way. But not really that it's her personal journal entries. No, it's not personal at all. I'm really excited about letting the fans hear this new album because it's it almost tells a story, but it tells several stories. That's why it's memoirs of an imperfect angel. You know, for a, for a while I was just like not really inspired about what I was doing that much. And so when I worked on this album, I was just very inspired. Well, let's begin. Let's do it. first song on the album, Bet You Go No, tells the story of Mariah catching her man in the cheats. But he doesn't know she's caught him because she's playing it cool and acting like she doesn't know what he's been up to, even though she saw everything, the red dress, everything. But she's holding on to that information and saving it for a rainy day. It's a vengeance anthem. We're plotting, we're scheming, we're gonna expose this motherfucker and we're calling all the news stations, Barbara Walters, 60 Minutes, Oprah Winfrey, and you know it's serious when she's using her full name, not the Winfrey. And she's gonna la 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 laugh right in your face when she gets you back for doing her dirty, whoever you are. <laughs> this is actually my favorite song on the album. That kind of shocked me based on what's coming, but I can see that this would be one of your top. Like, it is a solid song. I liked the beat. It got me interested to hear more. It's definitely a little on the moody side, which I do like. 
and um that line about like falling asleep on jasmine's sofa <laughs> that did give me the impression that she was writing from personal experience journal entry yeah it was definitely a good way to start the album This song was actually re-released on the special edition of Mariah's next album a whole five years later, Me, I Am, Mariah, The Elusive Chanteuse. This version having a feature from R. Kelly. And I'm really confused by her connection with him. Like, she's never commented, as far as I'm aware, on anything having to do with his, like, disgusting buffoonery. And I get it, this was before he was convicted of anything, but we've all known that this shit was true since that video of him pissing on that girl. And hello, Aaliyah, remember her? Come on, Mariah, you can do yeah. better. Yeah, the inner workings of um, Hollywood ethics is always gonna be a mystery it really is and you know what honestly i like the original version of the song without robert i'm gonna call him robert without him on it robert comes in right at the good part and cuts mariah's la 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 laugh off making some bullshit excuse for cheating and you know what he comes up with in his verse hmm. is that he must have been drugged the girl roofied him he wasn't cheating what yeah coming from the man who was trapped in a goddamn closet this does not age well this is stupid i was like why are you so obsessed with me? I'll never forget where I was the first time that I heard Mariah say, it must be the weed, it must be the E. Like, mm -hmm. what planet are we on? <laughs> where the hell are we and it, where is this all right? Obsessed really is the 2009 answer to Touch My Body. It's still playful in like maintaining that sort of humorous, lyrical flow, but also totally different in the way where Touch My Body was like flirty. This is more antagonistic. <laughs> definitely see why this is the one that really like hit the mainstream it's super catchy and my question was like i wonder if this is more about haters in general than just like one specific person i know she's calling out one specific person right oh my goodness if he thinks that a song called obsessed written by me is yeah. about him whose problem is that but yeah i could kind of see how this is like her her rebuttal to any criticism she's gotten or people that are obsessed with her. <laughs> <laughs> See right through you like you're bathing in Windex. <laughs> a streak free clean. No possibility of deceiving our Mimi again. She's making it perfectly clear. Fuck right off. Yeah. You're a mom and pop. I'm a corporation. I'm a press conference. You're a conversation. It's really just big fish, little fish. You know, it's a matter of cute versus gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous devours cute. Yeah. <laughs> and this song peaked at number seven on the Hot 100. And the video is great. And at this point, it's one of her like iconic music videos. It was directed by the same guy who did Heartbreaker. And it's the memeable moment of Mariah in drag. And it's her being Eminem, let's be real. Mm -hmm. And they don't name him, like how Bianca had a name. He, I don't think he has a name, so I just call him Marshall. <laughs> Why is it so hard to say goodbye? 
Having a typical emotional upset is track number three, or H-A-T-E-U as it's stylized in the track list as an acronym. I think hate you, spelled normally, should be the actual title, but who am I? No reason to get all philosophical on us. It's a song about moving on. The lyric is, I can't wait to hate you because you're, it's like about someone you love, but you wish you didn't. You wish you could get over that person. She's upset with herself for not being able to let go of the feelings of love that she has for this person, even though she knows it's over. It's like, God damn it, why can't I just be normal and hate you so I can move on with my life? I used to really not like this song. This was the first time in real time that I was confused by the choice for a single, but I realize now like what other choice did they have? This album doesn't really have any other single worthy songs besides Obsessed. And I will say that while listening to it again for this podcast, I enjoyed it more than I anticipated that I would. The video on the other hand, it's just Mariah on the beach in Malibu singing to the sea. When I saw Hate You show up on the track list, I instantly thought of Tattoo. <laughs> you know, the, the, All the things she said? Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, that's the vibe I got from the title, but definitely different musical style. It was pretty catchy, not gonna lie. I thought like painting the picture of like grieving the relationship from like a future standpoint was actually really interesting. I wish I could go back and make time stop, stop, stop. And I would take this love throw back from the top. So far the album has been lyrically negative and like musically a little dark, so Candy Bling is the first song that switches the mood on you a little bit. This album was obviously the first that Mariah released after marrying Nick Cannon, so if you're going into it listening to it with that in mind, you're probably like, what the fuck is all this? Because so far it's been about trifling, no goodness, and hate. Where's that new love type of music? And I will say that if slow jam is the goal, it's achieved with this song. I like Candy Bling. I like the leisurely beat with like the catchy little snaps. It's really blissful. The reference to candy and ring pops and sweet tarts, it's obviously a nod to the way that Nick Cannon proposed to Mariah with the ring pop. Yeah. The song isn't really about their relationship though because it's all about going back in time. It's another reminiscing moment on like a simpler, more innocent love. Falling asleep on the phone and skipping school. It's like sweet and pure. It's about a crush. You know, before relationships are complicated with sex or jealousy or insecurity. Just sharing your starburst with somebody. That kind of love. That's cute. I didn't dissect the lyrics as much for this one, but it did come off very light and airy too. Yeah. So same, same idea. It was very dreamy and kind of cutesy. And it, it was kind of in the middle for me. It wasn't up high on my list, and it wasn't very low on my list. There's part of me that thinks this song is written about the Prince Charming of Mariah's past, the one that we talked about with John, this like fantasy man mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But then she also says something about, I wish I could bring you back like ODB, and she says, then you went Dougie Fresh all the way to heaven, alluding to the fact that whoever she's singing to is dead. I mean, Dougie Fresh isn't dead, but ODB is. Yeah, so I don't know if it's like an interpolation of somebody else's story that she was inspired by like she's talking about or maybe a movie like she said. Maybe she was watching My Girl and wrote this. Who knows? (laughs) 
This song is whatever to me, Ribbon. I don't hate it, I don't love it, it's very middle ground. I just wanna know what private diary entry inspired this song, Mariah. She must have been laying in bed watching old episodes of being Bobby Brown because this song is about that Bobby and Whitney love. Kiss my ass! All right, that's what I did. They argue and they fight, but everyone better know that that's her man. Yeah, it was definitely more of like a lovey song. Not to say it was like lovey without complication, but I can see what you mean with those lyrics. And my thing was just like the beginning, I was getting like the essence of poetic justice. Yeah. Like I love that um, voice effect they used. Yeah, it was that, a really like, intriguing deep. song. Yeah, yeah I, I like it. it. I would listen to this one more regularly. So we're back to the common theme on memoirs, reminiscing with track six, Inseparable. Basically, this song is Mariah telling a lover of her past, Derek Jeter, that although they aren't together, they will always be inseparable and the thought of reconnection is not out of the question. Like, just pick up the phone, Derek, and she'd leave that clown Nick faster than 2014. This song really does nothing for me until the Cindy Lauper time after time moment. I love that. The first text I ever got from you still saved in my inbox and read it back time after time. Won't you please find me? I'm down to my left to come rescue me. I used to play that part over and over and over. You know how you hold down the back button on the CD player? My dad used to tell me that that would scratch the CD if you did that. Yeah. I didn't buy it and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> Around the time of this album, I was doing my internship as a teaching assistant at an elementary school and this song really reminds me of another intern that was there that I would always talk to. She had a 24-year-old boyfriend. He was like 6'3". His arms were literally as thick as my head. What? Anyways, I just remember us talking about Mariah, as I do, and she said that Inseparable was her favorite Mariah song. Interesting. Yeah. I thought this one was pretty good. It was kind of just okay, but um, didn't dislike it. Um, it sounds like another song of hers. The beginning, I can't, I can't remember, but I do see a theme of common like voice techniques or sounds mm -hmm. that like keep appearing in her stuff. The first thirty seconds was literally like the same thing repeated, so I was kind of getting lost. But then by the time the chorus came around, I actually really liked it at that point. So it it kind of landed in the middle for me. She does a little squeak in this one. Oh, a squeak! A little squeak. I don't know. <laughs> she does a squeak thing, and I I really liked that. She uses a lot of her lower register throughout Memoirs. Standing O is a perfect example of that. If Charm Bracelet is the Whisper album, then Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel is the Grumble album because our girl was growling. Like yeah. seven songs in though and still not one ode to Nick and I'm kind of living for that. <laughs> the song is bitter. She's upset again. She's yelling. I don't yell at them, but I yell at myself. But doing it with a smile because this man left her for some bitch and now he's going to use all the tricks that she trained him to do on somebody else. I'd be bitter too. This was one of my favorites when it first came out. It's still all right, but again, I don't seek anything out on this album on purpose. This one felt a little sleepy for me. Took a dive in terms of like the energy of the album, mm -hmm. but I do really like when she's in her lower register. So yeah. points there for me. There's something for everyone. <laughs> Just 
Okay, I take back what I said earlier. This one could have been a single. It's a rap. It should have been. It's another breakup song from our newlywed. I do actually like this one and I know it's a lamb favorite. She should definitely consider putting this song in her live shows if and when she ever goes back to Vegas. The beat is very vintage. This is the only one giving greatest hits for me, but barely. Hmm. And lyrically, she's giving like the classic Mariah Carey. We've got a Maury show mention. We've got the math, talk about denominators. And hello, vocabulary, acquiescent. <laughs> I noticed that too. When I saw the, the title, it's a rap, I was like, with who? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this one had more interest to me. It was a little bit more exciting. The sound effects were fun in the beginning. She has the, like, the, the ahs, like, yeah. all of that. And then the shoo-ba-doo-ba-doos. Uh -huh. like, just a lot of fun stuff going on in this one. And lyrics like, ain't no donuts, ain't no coffee. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Crack you right in your forehead. <laughs> this is actually another one that was re-released, if you want to call it that, on the Elusive Chanteuse. And it has Mary J. Blige on it. And she's, she's basically like Mariah's hype girl, telling her whoever she's singing to ain't shit. <laughs> I would want to hear that. And the reason we got these different versions with Mary and Robert Kelly was because a few months after the release of Memoirs, it was announced that Mariah would be releasing a remixed version of the album, which to me shouldn't have been considered a remix album. It would have been more of a duets album. She called them remixes, but musically the songs were pretty much the exact same with the addition of a rap verse or someone else singing with her. And what do you call that? A duet. It was going to include new versions of each song from the original track list, including Imperfect, as well as three other unreleased songs, Call Me Now, That's a Smash, and 100%. But it doesn't matter what any of that is because they threw the whole thing out. Well, most of it anyway. I think it's all been leaked since, with the exception of a Kanye West version of Standing O and an Alicia Keys verse on More Than Just Friends. I will say the version of Hate You is way better than the original. She samples my boo, and it just reminds me how she did the We Belong Together remix back in the day. But anywho, before the complete cancellation, they did the typical Mariah Carey treatment and pushed the release date back a couple times and then finally said, mm, never mind. There was also a club remix version of the album that Mariah was working on with Jump Smokers and again, canceled. That would have really been what put her ahead of the whole EDM craze because it was still slowly evolving into what it is now. I don't think it really started popping off in mainstream until what, like 2011, maybe? Probably around there. So she would have been like a whole year and a half ahead. Yeah, good point. But as usual, Missed things, opportunity. things happen. Yeah. Let's be real. For the fourth single, Up Out My Face, Mariah actually uses the Angel's Advocate version as the official single version, featuring one Nicki Minaj. Mariah, I was in the million dollar meeting. 
Higgins, he was cheating. All up in the church, he was sneaking with the deacon. Cats away while the mice will play. LOL, smiley face, have a nicer day. Cause pop, 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 it goes my rubber band. So stop, 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 send it in that contraband. Cause you was penny pinching, my accounts laced. Attention about face. Now, this was before the feud. And we've covered that already, so I don't feel like going all in on that again. This was back when Mariah was really giving a girl a bone. <laughs> the music video is really cute. Barbie girls in the Barbie world. To me, it's like they're shopping in Target, but it's not a Target, it's a Walmart in the Midwest because it has a beauty shop in it. Oh. <laughs> they're getting their hair curled. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like how some have McDonald's? Yes. Okay. Well, we I have those here. In we do? Yeah. Well, maybe not McDonald's, but like... I haven't seen it. I've only seen it on road trips. Do you even go to Walmart? No. Well, I can't believe that this song only peaked at number 100 on the Hot 100. Like the lowest qualifying position. I mean, at least top 50. Come on, it was ahead of its time, I guess. Was it? <laughs> I felt like the A, A, like that little... Uh -huh, the intro thing. It's a little overplayed, yeah. in my opinion. It's interesting. I didn't see the music video, but the song did sound kind of young mm -hmm. to me. And... A little simple yeah like it was just like it makes sense that this one made the charts right um but halfway through i felt like i heard everything i needed and it's like a celebratory moment of kicking someone to the curb so i mean really how much of that can you handle <laughs> <laughs> she's just basically like no excuses no apologies just get the fuck out and i love the way that mariah can so easily cut people out of her life or at least write about doing it with ease in her songs not even a nail technician with all of the gel and acrylic can fix it <laughs> <laughs> and the marching band makes me want some nachos or something. It's that heterosexual urge to stomp your feet on some metal bleachers. Go team. <laughs> was really fun I liked the band and I didn't know that it was a single up out of my face so my question was like did she expect this to be a bigger song to like put the effort into the reprise I think so think she expected it to be bigger than maybe it was yeah probably because if obsessed is the only one I knew from this album I think a lot of people probably are the same yeah you're right especially non lambs they don't yeah know any of this stuff Okay, I think I liked this one more than Standing O back in the day, and if I didn't, I definitely do today. It's cute. And we're back to lovely, flirty Mariah. This is another one that could have worked as a single. I'm not saying it would have been her 19th number one, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for a good music video for VH1. Is it tomato or tomato for you? Because <laughs> it's tomato when it's rhyming with grotto and lotto and bravo. Yeah, the lotto. That was, <laughs> I know you want to hit it like the lotto. Yeah, see how personal she's getting on this album? <laughs> She's really raw-dogging us here lyrically. Yeah, at this point of the album, I started to see that I think that she was making this album to be as relevant as possible and a, kind of appeal to a younger audience. Like, even the lyrics she was choosing, I don't think she would go that 
on the nose normally. It's like poetry a lot of the time. Yeah. And this was just blatant in your face. Yeah. It's it's about falling in love with your best friend. Like, could you imagine two straight best friends, though? Like, what? I thought someone has to be gay. How else? I'm in love with my best friend. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And what are y'all? A bunch of lesbians. <laughs> that doesn't count. It's a weird flex, as Gen Z would say. Yeah. And do you think this is someone that she's known likes her, and she's just kept him in the friend zone on purpose until she was ready to pluck him out? If that's the case, I like the power move. I wonder... This could have been some sort of, like, repressed memory from when she was with Tommy and she had a ton of other people in her life that maybe felt like a better fit and she never got to like explore it. That's a really good she was point. Tied down. So maybe it was like she was surrounded by all these friendships that we kind of like speculated. That's a good point. <laughs> The Impossible is a confirmed love song for Nick. She said so herself. It's a slow pouring of feelings for the man who she felt was her first real love, I guess. Or at this time, at least. I don't know. I just know that this is the real auntie anthem. Like, when she wants to get sexy, this is the song she throws on. My imaginary aunt Mimi. <laughs> Dim the lights, The Impossible playing softly in the background, some chocolate dipped strawberries. You know she loves those. Right. And she's just waiting for her firefighter boyfriend to drop by like he promised. <laughs> Through the window. Yep. <laughs> Oh, no. There's a song called The Impossible, which is uh, a love song, but it's also playful. And yet it also kind of, it's it's very, it's about like a very strong love. So I dedicated that one to my husband. She loves him like Duncan Hines' yellow cake. Like cherry wine. <laughs> like sugar daddies. Right? <laughs> I feel like the list just got more and more bizarre. Like, as the song went on. Yeah, my favorite one was Love You Like Free Money. <laughs> now that's talking my love language. Yeah. She also mentions McDonald's. Hmm. And yeah, I'm still bitter about not getting my shirt. I know. Foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. She knew. The little outro is my favorite part. The separate track. Oh, yeah. The talk box, Forever Your Lady moment. It That really does it for me. <laughs> for the reprise of Impossible was just like long ass reprise. It, yeah. was, so, it was almost as long as the whole song. It really is. So, and I would listen to that first before the song. It was it was long. And she just kept saying slay in the beginning. Slay. Slay. <laughs> slay. <laughs> slay. Slay. And then the way this song effortlessly flows into the angel prelude with her whistles evokes memories of the rainbow interlude for me, or Bliss also from the Rainbow album. I like that. I'm not gonna lie, the soundtrack, like, 
list I was watching on YouTube didn't have this song, so I just didn't listen to this one. <laughs> wow, you're way committed to the cause. <laughs> I listened to 16 other songs. I think I, I did my part. I guess if this was a grade in school, 16 out of 17 would still yeah, pass. I can end yeah, still. Yeah, okay. Angels Cry literally does zero for me. Nada, zilch. This is another single that was released to cross-contaminate with Angels Advocate, and they put it out as a duet with Neo. I think at the same time as About My Face, like literally on the same day. They wanted her to have one up-tempo song and one ballad at the same time, maybe? I don't know. This song just feels like another attempt at Through the Rain for me. Stop trying to make One Sweet Day happen. If it's meant to be, it'll be. Always be my baby. That sounded like the beginning sounded like okay. that song. So I got confused for a second. Definitely brought the drama. It was kind of repetitive again. Yeah, I don't like it. There wasn't a lot of diversity in mm. some of these songs. Didn't the beginning sound like that? Okay, I actually liked Languishing this time around. This is that reflective, stripped-down ballad moment that Mariah gives at the end of an album. It's the portrait, the looking in or outside. Okay, maybe not quite on par with those last two, but you get my point. It's nice and it's necessary for a Mariah Carey album. Yeah, this is the one I was kind of waiting for, for her, like, the ballad. Right. It had some of those intricate lyrics that I love so much, but it was very a walk to remember to me. <laughs> In fact, it was very Manny Moore to me. That is funny. You can see it. I mean, when you say it like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, Mandy. Can you imagine a Mariah and Mandy collab? I could. And for some reason, I feel like there would be acoustic guitar in it. Oh. I don't know why. That's neither here nor there for either one of them. But I feel like it would. Maybe 2022. Hey, maybe Butterfly um, Lounge.
Okay, so the final song on 2009's Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel is a cover of the 1984 Foreigner song, I Wanna Know What Love Is. Another 80s power ballad, you know, a greatest hit, if you will. It was released as the second single, which was not the right choice, and I think Mariah would agree with that. The music video looks like an Abreva commercial. She's oh, perf- yeah. Oh, wow. She's performing in the middle of Yankee Stadium with CGI audience, all moved by her rendition of this classic 80s hit. Absolutely no concept here. Except admiration of Mimi from all walks of life. She's got old, young, white, black, gay, wheelchair using. Everybody's in it. Oh my god. I know. Shut up. Serious. And look, all I think of when I hear this song, no matter who's singing it, is that black and white video of Gene Simmons from Kiss cheating on his living girlfriend of 20 years. What? Yeah, he did like a porno tape to that song <gasps> with some random girl what? and it went out. They're not together anymore, thank God. But remember he had that show on A&E with his girl and yes. the two kids? Yes. Love that show. Hate him. Well, that Pig. makes the song feel a little different now. Yeah. <laughs> he knew what love was. A little too much. <laughs> a little too much. I did, It didn't register that this was a cover for some reason until the chorus. I think because I listened to this in one swoop and I was beaten down and, <laughs> and broken by the end <laughs> and I was like oh yeah of course like I should have known there's that classic rock element waiting right um, and here it was I think she does a great job covering almost any song yeah honestly I just yeah is there an album that she has not covered a rock Song on. This is kind of her first bringing that back, I guess, since yeah. Charm Bracelet. So far, a lot of the ones we've we've covered, she has done a rock. Yeah. Cover, so I just assume that was her thing. It is one of her things. It is one of them. Um... Actually, Nick and I were having a conversation about music. I was in the middle of recording this album, Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel, and I have been working with Tricky and Dream, who are mm-hmm. fabulous um, wow. writers and producers, and we were collaborating and enjoying it, and. I said, you know what, this is missing a song that could be worldwide and that everybody could kind of connect to, you know, no matter what age or what, you know, whatever they are. And so we were just going through different songs from different eras. And as to hear him tell it, he says, well, I said you need to do, I want to know what love is. I said you need another without you, so I want to know what love is. And I said, no, because you barely knew that without you did what it did for me in my career. I said I need another without you, and we found this song together and looking, you know. And But if we're going to do it, if we're going to do an open arms or without you or bring it on the heartbreak again, let's try something else. Like, she should have done What About Love by Heart. Ooh. Or something by Pat Benatar. Yeah, why are they always male from today? I don't know. Covers? And she loves Pat Benatar. Yeah. I would love to hear her do Love is a Battlefield. I would love to hear her do some Stevie Nicks. Oh, that would be great. That would be badass. Yeah. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac or yeah, Stevie Solo, either one. I'm here for it. And we can't talk about this song and not mention that it's actually her biggest hit in Brazil. This particular This song. song. It spent 27 weeks at number one and it still holds the record for most weeks at number one after like, what, 12 years? And to put that into perspective, We Belong Together spent 14 weeks at number one in the US and One Sweet Day, which is the longest running number one song, only 16 weeks. And those are literally the two highest charting songs in American history. So 27 weeks is crazy. That's half the year. And I love that that fact allows us to end on a positive note for mm-hmm. Mariah. Mm-hmm. It never amazes me how varied Mariah fans' lands preferences are. Like, in every country, there's probably a different Mariah sensation or a different period of time that she, like, was the queen there. The and peak. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to think of it in that way. I liked this album more than I thought I would um, because you shared, like, 
it wasn't your favorite and yeah. that gave me a little bit of pause <laughs> right <laughs> if it's not your favorite I don't know how all fair with it but I actually did like it there were just some songs that felt out of place but then there are other ones that I liked more than some of the other songs I've heard so far right so it's kind of a hmm. hot and cold album to me yeah I think I really shunned it for so long and really wrote it off as her worst and now I'm I mean I'm not gonna say that my opinion has really changed I still don't care for it as a whole but have having listened to it now again I realize that even at her worst she's still good you know what I mean yeah but I already knew that but I mean this just solidifies that idea good point well I hope you lambs enjoyed this take on memoirs of an imperfect angel don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a nice little review and if you'd like to share your opinion with us we would love to hear it in the form of a voicemail that you can leave at 857-626-4552 we'll be back next week to talk about the Grammys and how they like to fuck us (laughs) can't wait for that one see you next Tuesday Bye. So, um, love you, appreciate you, and enjoy you, and I will chat with you later.